The Mark Stein Show. And now, here's Mark. September 22nd, 2020. Six weeks from today is Election Day in America. One week from today is the first presidential debate. So three days from today, Joe Biden will suddenly test positive for COVID-19 and have to self-quarantine through the debate season. Or the media will decide that they're sufficiently confident that even as Joe Biden's honeycombed mind is crumbling with each 15-minute segment, they will dare the American voter to believe their lying eyes rather than the official version. Yesterday, Joe hit the campaign track such as it is in uh, Wisconsin. And along the way, he managed to rewrite the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the United States of America, one nation, indivisible, under God, for real. I pledge allegiance to the United States of America, one nation, indivisible, under God, for real. Well, it's pithier, but there's still room for improvement. I pledge allegiance to the United States, one nation, indivisible, under God. For real, man, you know the thing. Biden 2020, you know the thing. I'm a wee bit nervous that as Joe Biden retreats deeper into the vast echoing canyons of his mind, the public are starting to find the idea of a brain-dead husk as commander-in-chief oddly endearing and perhaps even comforting. It's four days since the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, so like everybody else, I feel we ought to have some serious legal analysis on the show. Here's a nice, calm NPR listening lady direct from her minivan. I'm driving your car, but I just got a notification that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died! Fuck! Could this year get any fucking worse? Ruth! You just had to make it to 2021! Ah! Is it me, or are a lot of soi-disant cis women starting to transition into psychotic trans women of the type that come rampaging out of nowhere after dark on the streets of Portland? I am a woman! I am a woman! Get these men out of of course, judges are very important in America, uh, far more than mere citizens. And if Trump reconfigures the court, that could be very serious for a woman's right to choose. So let's have some more calm, considered legal analysis. Here's another cis woman in a minivan exercising a woman's right to choose to go bananas. Why can't women have abortions? I just saw a fucking pro-life sign driving down the fucking road having a mental breakdown. And I should say, all you people are so, you're so fucking stupid. Ugh! You're fucking stupid. And I wish I had been fucking aborted. I, oh my God. Yeah, baby. Are you on any uh, dating sites? Uh, by the way, I apologize for using the transphobic phrase, a woman's right to choose, obviously the approved phrase, and I'm actually being serious here, you can ask J.K. Rowling, is a person with internal genitalia's right to choose. Uh, they now hand out 
fallopian tubes in the maternity ward entirely randomly, like uh, Tootsie Rolls being hurled from a 4th of July parade float. American women may merely be screaming in their mommy vans, but Canadian chicks are more motivated. Pascal Ferrier of Saint-Dubert, which is a borough in Longueuil on the south shore of the St. Lawrence in Quebec, which is just a short ride north for me, or would be if the border hadn't been closed in perpetuity. Uh, Pascal Ferrier is under arrest for mailing rice in to President Trump. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police are on the scene searching her apartment. Here's the Mounties, Corporal Charles Poirier. This is uh, concerning the, um, the packages, the suspicious packages that were sent to the White House and in other uh, areas in the United States. The RCMP say the apartment is linked to a woman arrested over the weekend on the Peace Bridge between Ontario and New York. The FBI believes she sent ricin to President Donald Trump in the White House. You're dealing with a deadly chemical, uh, ricin, that uh, we know can, uh, just the size of a, a pinhead, could uh, could kill uh, any human being. So hence uh, the reason why they're obviously very careful, very methodical uh, in their search. Pierre-Yves Bourdois former Deputy Commissioner of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. In an odd way, a crazy Quebec chick mailing rice in to an American president is less weird than all the supposedly normal people in America openly threatening to unleash the crazy, like making the District of Columbia a state or packing the Supreme Court with 11 judges, 15, 37, whatever it takes to deny the Constitution now and forever. Or like Nancy Pelosi threatening to re-impeach the president and make him the first man ever to be twice impeached in one year. How cool would that be? Or Matt Iglesias, the founder of Vox, calling in the title of his new book for one billion Americans. One billion Americans. Uh, He was interviewed by Glenn Beck. As you know, Beck's vanity network, Blaze Media, sued me and lost on every single count, over 100 counts. So you can guess what I think of Mr. Beck. In 2016, he regarded Trump as such a threat to the republic uh, that he uh, entertained guests on his show who argued that citizens had a constitutional duty to assassinate the guy. Four years later, he says if Trump's not re-elected, the constitution is dead and the republic is over. Then again... Here is supposed loyal Trumper Beck interviewing Matt Iglesias. He's the guy who sounds like a pajama boy doing his first interview. Uh, Matt Iglesias about how we need to import two thirds of a billion people. Uh, Just to replace the 200 million Americans, Joe Biden said died of COVID by the end of his speech. No, it's even bigger than that. So let's let's start your case uh, for a billion Americans. Uh, You know, you look at the United States today, we're sort of the number one power in the world. We have been for a long time, 100 years or more. Uh, But that's slipping, right? We are facing a sort of relative decline vis-a-vis China. Their economy's grown very rapidly. In a lot of ways, that's a good thing. I mean, global poverty has gone down a lot. It's it's good to see other people doing well. But when you have a country of 1.2 billion people, it's four times our population, if they get to half of our per capita wealth, they become a much stronger economy than we are in the aggregate, right? And so we should do something about that. 
I think Americans, you know, want to be the the world's number one power. We don't want to be number two to China. And, you know, nobody is talking about how do we settle for number two? How do we accommodate ourselves to a world of Chinese hegemony? But our political leaders aren't really talking about solutions to that problem, right? Quote from Glenn Beck. Matt Iglesias and I don't agree on everything, but we both believe that having one billion Americans is a goal worth striving for and crucial to keeping China from overtaking us as the top global power, unquote. Are you out of your Biden-sized mind? You now claim to support Trump. In case you've forgotten, he's the guy who thinks America has too much immigration from bleephole countries. So if you're calling to triple the size of the U.S. population, you're not a Trump guy in any way that matters. You're just as big a wanker as you were four years ago when you were promoting his assassination, uh, but uh, just a different vein of wanker. Matt Iglesias wants one billion Americans to compete with 1.4 billion Chinese. Over a billion of those Chinese are from one ethnic group, the Han. That's to say China is a conventional old-school ethnostate. Importing two-thirds of a billion Syrian quote-unquote refugees and Latin American MS-13 members and Sudanese clitoridectomists and Colombian drug mules won't restore America to the world's number one power. It'll just make America the world's number one Chicago housing project on a livelier-than-usual weekend, and no prudent person would promote such a thing. Who's nuttier here? The crazy Franco radical commie chick dropping her ricin in the mailbox or the rock-ribbed constitutional conservative who thinks you can triple America's population and still be America. And now, from the land where everything is policed except crime, and no, I don't mean the United Kingdom, I renew my request that the state of Victoria cease dishonouring the name of a great queen and find a more appropriate moniker such as the state of Woketoria or the state of Joketoria or the state of Wanktoria. In the meantime... Good day, mate. <laughs> it's your Vicwit Wanker Copper of the Day. Let me pregnant wife loose, Bruce, let me pregnant wife loose. The dogs all set to induce, Bruce, so let me pregnant wife loose. All together now, timey wanker cop down, sport, timey wanker cop down. He's wankered up the old town, sport, so timey wanker cop down. even trying with that, are we? None of the wit and sophistication of kung fu fighting uh, or I'm trans woman, hear me roar, because wit and sophistication are wasted on Chairman Dan Andrews and his control freak plonkers. The police are the public and the public are the police. So said Sir Robert Peel, the pioneer of policing in the modern world. That axiom has certainly frayed in many places, but it has never been so comprehensively repudiated in a free Anglophone society not at war as by the Victoria Police in recent weeks. As I've said, I don't believe they're rotten, stinking, dissembling commissioners when they concede that the optics aren't terribly good. The optics are the point. That's why no matter how viral... 
goes the 38-week pregnant woman or the guy with the stomped head. The Victoria coppers wake up the following morning and do exactly the same thing all over again. So here they are on Elwood Beach between St Kilda and Brighton. Uh, confronted by a man on the sands not wearing a mask. Fucking have some respect! Although, as he pleads in vain, he is within the requisite five kilometres of his home. That's about three miles and is the lawful distance from one's abode that a Victorian citizen is permitted to travel. Okay, I was going to give you my driver's license, so I'm within five kilometres of my house. Faced with a maskless man in the open air, ten police officers by my count, a dozen. According to the Daily Mail, a dispatch to wrestle him to the ground. Do you not care what you do to people? No, I'm largely indifferent on the subject of masks. I dislike them for reasons I went into months ago. But if a storekeeper prefers me to wear one... Do you not care what you look at? I respect her wishes, as I did in various jurisdictions over the summer. But I also noticed in shops in Ireland and France and elsewhere that if a customer... ...chance to enter... brutally arrested. You have! The premises without a mask. I've done nothing wrong. My name is Mark. A store clerk would simply proffer one from a pile by the register. Presumably, Chairman Dan's constables could also perambulate the streets and beaches with a dozen. Yeah, we believe you. Don't worry. It's going on everywhere. Spare masks in a side pocket for forgetful citizens. Because they don't give a shit about us. Oh, more cops for one guy who's done nothing wrong. So the practice of taking them down with overwhelming force is a policy choice. As I mentioned last week, the Bozo Commissioners of Victoria could have trained their constables to wield these awesome new powers sensitively, humanely, non-insanely, to emphasise that these are extraordinary times and temporary measures. Instead... What's his number? 301. We just have legions of we are only obeying orders automatons. For example, Katie Barnett, a law professor at Melbourne University in middle age without wishing to be ungallant, uh, Professor Barnett has cerebral palsy, which is not a small thing. She is treated by regular injections in her feet to lessen the mus- muscle cramping. On her doctor's orders, she is supposed to go for walks after the injections. So she was walking with her mother, who has had uh, two hip replacements uh, and has also been advised to exercise. And after perambulating for half a mile, they felt a bit tired and sat down on a bench. That's when yet another Victoria wanker copper came up and said, You have to move on. You're not allowed to stop walking. As noted last week, the state of Victoria has criminalised public sitting and is determined to eradicate it with a commitment they certainly don't apply to any other offences. So Professor Barnett replied, You're kidding, right? But the wanker copper said, No, you need to keep walking and head back to your house. Up the hill. So the Vicwit constable ordered a disabled lady and an elderly lady to walk up a hill. Ooh, 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 I can hear you saying, but what about that second wave? The big Covid spike, the new curve that will take another six, nine months, years to flatten.
Well, yes, it's true that second wave is overwhelming the state. Yesterday, Victoria Media reported... Uh, Stand well back for this. If you faint in horror, remember that public sprawling is illegal. Uh, Victoria Media reported that there were in the state yesterday 11 new cases, not deaths, cases. And because of that public health crisis, at least 10 coppers are required to beat up any errant citizens. And if you spot a disabled lady... You don't need to beat her up, not yet, but it is obligatory to aggravate her disability and move her on in pain. If these cerebral palsy scofflaws don't get the message, Chairman Dan will issue orders to dispatch a 10-strong task force to rip up the wheelchair ramp and beat her over the head with it. Oh, one more. A man is smoking a cigarette when two Victoria wanker coppers arrive to insist he has to wear a mask while he smokes. Do you mind putting the mask on? Uh, not at all. I'm actually having a cigarette. So. Well, I don't want to breathe the cigarette smoke in either, so... So I can stand away from you if you like, but it's not illegal to smoke without a, a mask on, so... No, excuse me. I can stand over here if you prefer. But I'm a little bit... Smoking cigarettes is not one of the exemptions of not wearing a mask. I drink, drinking the wanker copper is wrong there even in victoria smoking a cigarette is a mask exempt activity but don't let anything as footling as the law get in the way of your being a world-class wanker uh, he's doing this as an exercise in muscle in raw naked muscle which is why you should be very wary of the powers you give to mere police constables. I will never again take seriously that enduring Oz stereotype of the free-spirited larrikin and ochre and all the other grand words that a crushed populace takes refuge in. What larrikin spirit in a people who stand by as their constabulary torment pregnant women, the handicapped and the elderly, while you're ordered to wear a mask to puff a fag? Your wanker coppers of the month of the year of the decade, the Victoria Police. Mark's mailbox is on the air. Stephen Payne of West Virginia writes, OK, I don't get it. Knowing Mr Stein's feelings about YouTube... Why do all the videos he posts on here, Stein Online, that is, seem to be YouTube videos? They have the YouTube controls and the option to watch on YouTube. So what's the deal? Well, just to explain this, YouTube is a publisher. So in the same way that J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter books are published by Bloomsbury and Nat King Cole's singles are published by Capitol Records, the YouTube video uh, to go back to uh, Monday's column, which is what Mr. Payne was writing in reference to. Uh, the YouTube video from uh, John Hinderaker and the Center of the American Experiments Gala is likewise published by YouTube. Uh, the audio from the Rush Limbaugh show is published on whatever 
the iHeart podcast uh, platform is. That's the centre of the American experiment's choice, and that's Nat King Cole's choice, and that's Russia's choice. Uh, so if I want to play Nat King Cole on the WZZZAM morning show, I have to play him on a Capitol Records single or LP. And if I want to play the Centre of the American Experiment video, I have to play it on a YouTube video. The only alternative to that would be to make a copy of Nat King Cole singing Stay As Sweet As You Are or the Centre of the American Experiment Gala and republish them on another platform, which would be copyright theft, which would be illegal, which once upon a time you didn't have to explain to people especially conservatives. But we are living in the great bonfire of property rights. Sometimes they literally burn down your business in Portland, in Seattle, in Atlanta. And sometimes they just steal your video or audio uh, or other content and put it up on the internet. But I'm not in the business of property theft, so if John Oakley posts his show on SoundCloud and David Horowitz posts his video on Vimeo and Fox and & Friends posts their clip on YouTube, those are the platforms that get embedded here. It's their choice, not mine. Uh, just like the playlist at your local radio station. I have no legal right to overrule that. The only things I publish myself are Mark Stein content. And if you go to the Mark Stein YouTube channel, there's a button to it uh, at the top right of our homepage, so Stephen Payne can check this for himself. You'll see that the Mark Stein YouTube channel, uh, there's a picture of me at the top in Melbourne, Victoria, as it happens, and below that, a button marked videos, and if you click that, you will see that the last content I, Mark Stein of Mark Stein Enterprises, Inc., the last content I posted on YouTube was over six months ago, March 15th. It's me with Carol Wellsman and Russell Malone and the Mark Stein Show Band doing Avalon, uh, the Al Jolson song Puccini sued over. Since the last notes of Avalon died away, it has been crickets chirping over at the Mark Stein YouTube channel. Now that date, March 15th, was more or less the beginning of lockdown, and the first weeks of COVID-19 Underline for me how weird the world has become very fast. Millions and millions of people were forbidden to leave their homes and finding out anything for themselves by going to a newsstand or a bookstore or a theatre. But instead, just like in our tale for our time, The Machine Stops by E.M. Forster, uh, instead they were confined to their homes with a special machine that pumps in anything they need to know. And for most people, that machine is controlled by Facebook, Twitter, Google, YouTube. Every day, fewer and fewer people venture beyond the constraints imposed by a handful of woke billionaires. And that includes all those pathetic, butcher-than-thou, joke conservatives with their eagles and minutemen all over their Twitter avatars and Facebook banners, pledging their lives, fortunes, and their sacred honour. But God forbid they should ever have to pledge to make an extra click or two to get to something beyond what the owners of Facebook and YouTube want them to see. Those are the guys who are going to save your constitution? Yeah, dream on. Some smart people like Dennis Prager and his uh, hack lawyer. Okay, his lawyer isn't so smart. That's a guy called Eric M. George. But uh, Dennis is smart, and he thinks you can sue YouTube into giving you a fair shake. I don't. 
Douglas Murray has written about this strange phenomenon by which your, quote, views on YouTube actually go into reverse. I saw it myself last year when we published the interview with George Papadopoulos about the deep state machinations he's been on the receiving end of. I mentioned it on Rush the day we published it, and for a couple of hours it shot up. I happened to be on my YouTube site, just tweaking a bit of text, uh, when I noticed that it was just above 100,000. It had just crossed the line to 103,212 views or whatever it was. And then, mysteriously, it suddenly went down below 100,000 to 97,643 or whatever. And I was a bit surprised by this because I don't understand how if you viewed something, you can suddenly unview it. And believe me, with most uh, pop videos or reality shows or crappy superhero movies, I would like to be able to unwatch it and get that hour of my life back. But I don't see how at 10am 100,000 people have watched your video and an hour later only 90,000 people have. Douglas has a go in ex explaining it, and of course, as he says, what it is is not an algorithm, but a manipulation of an algorithm. Actually, what it is... If you don't understand all the technical computer stuff, uh, the, the way to grasp it in its essence is that it's like uh, American post-election day ballot counting. So your uh, YouTube views go down just like Republican vote counts will start going down on November the 4th. And in the course of the lockdown... Being unable to go to a restaurant or a nightclub or anything else, I had more time on my hands than usual, and the awareness of being walled up and fed the woke billionaire's line was more palpable than usual. On COVID, for example, the execrable Zuckerberg, whom I regard as objectively evil for doing this, is openly enforcing the Chairman Xi, Dr. Tedros, WHO line. Anything that contradicts officialdom is taken down by Facebook, not just videos from Trump and Ben Shapiro, but by eminent physicians and scientists who happen to contradict the official government line, or actually sometimes by Western uh, government figures who happen to contradict the Chinese line. I don't create content on Facebook or Twitter the way other misguided conservatives do, such as Mark Levin, and Jonah Goldberg, because all you're doing is further enriching the woke cartel. And I decided that to be consistent, we needed to apply the same policy to YouTube. So, for example, our most recent video edition of The Mark Stein Show with Tal Backman, Kathy Shadle and Andrew Lawton, which we posted a couple of weeks back, was not posted on YouTube and will not be available there. The guys who run these organizations are not your friends. They tell you that every day. Uh, so my Tucker hits are marked on Twitter as sensitive content, while explicit threats to kill Mitch McConnell are allowed to stay up there and trend worldwide. I feel dirty having uh, guys like Zuckerberg in my computer shilling for China, uh, so I don't want his fingerprints directly on my content. 30 years ago, you know, Publishers, uh, if they were interested in you, they didn't uh, invite you to lunch. And over the tiramisu, which was all the rage back then, uh, would pitch you some book they wanted you to write. And if the publisher creeped you out or just seemed a bit evasive uh, or you didn't like the way that bit of tiramisu stuck to his moustache, uh, you wouldn't do business with him. 
Uh, well, now we have monopoly publishers in effect, and they're openly creeping you out. They're openly hostile. Uh, so why do any business with them? So for six months, we haven't published with YouTube, and we've begun taking down videos from YouTube of our old stuff. Uh, if the Democrats win on November the 3rd, the crackdown will accelerate and social media conservatism will exist only as controlled opposition, controlled by the Google Facebook cartel. I want no part of that. We've ceased publishing new content on YouTube. We are de-publishing old content. And frankly, I'm tired of much more powerful voices on the American right in particular who think third-rate shyster lawyers can litigate YouTube into an even playing field. That will never happen. And Facebook, YouTube seem to have successfully bought off most of the so-called conservative think tanks and more than a few conservative senators. Uh, so things like antitrust legislation are probably going nowhere. Robert from Ottawa asks, almost as an aside, how long can you keep it up for? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, but it may well be that after November 3rd, things go south very quickly. Tales for our time, songs of the week, and of course, the Mark Stein Show. Stein Online is your one-stop shop for all things Stein. Members of the Mark Stein Club have access to the full catalog of Stein content, transcripts, and discounts, as well as the opportunity to ask Mark questions and engage with other club members in our comment section. Join the Mark Stein Club today by heading to www.steinonline.com. That's www.steinonline.com. The Mark Stein Club presents The Hundred Years Ago Show. A presidential campaign jumps the track, Ireland erupts, and say it ain't so, Joe, it's September 1920. A hundred years from today. Your world news update, the messy aftermath of the Great War continues at the peace conference in Riga to settle the Polish-Soviet War. The Soviet Union has now withdrawn its earlier demand for a Bolshevik government in Warsaw. The lead negotiator, the former Tsarist Minister of War, General Alexei Polivanov, was taken ill when he arrived in Latvia for the talks and has now died of typhoid fever. Are you ready for a Turkish-Armenian war? Four days after the Turks stormed Sarikamish in an effort to recover territory lost in the recently signed Treaty of Sèvres, the new Republic of Armenia has declared war on Turkey and invaded. Mr. Ronald Wingate, the British political agent in Oman, has successfully negotiated the Treaty of Sieb between Sultan Taimur bin Faisal of Muscat and Imam Mohammed bin Abdullah al-Khalili of Oman. The Sultan was weary of being trapped in Muscat, unable to go anywhere else within his nominal domains, and was anxious to abdicate his throne and retire with a small pension somewhere less fraught beyond Arabia. Mr. Wingate persuaded His Majesty to make do instead with a long state visit to the Viceroy of India. And in the absence of the Sultan, His Britannic Majesty's agent negotiated a peace agreement with the long-simmering Omani interior. In that dear little town, in the hour counted out, it will 
Ditties, beloved of New York's Tin Pan Alley sentimentalists, be it a little town in the old county down or a tumble-down shack in Athlone. But what if your shack in Athlone didn't tumble down, but was instead burned to the ground? Back in the real island, beyond the pile of ballads, events are spiraling out of control. Dozens of nationalist homes and businesses in the town of Balbriggan have been burned down by members of the Royal Irish Constabulary in retaliation for the murder by Republicans of Police Inspector Peter Burke. At least two civilians have been killed by members of the police auxiliary, the Black and Tans. Prime Minister Lloyd George was quick to announce a formal investigation of events in Balbriggan. Meanwhile, in retaliation for the death of Irish Republican Army member Martin Devitt, at the hands of the Royal Irish Constabulary, the IRA has ambushed and murdered six RIC policemen near the village of Renine in County Clare. It is the bloodiest assault on the state's forces since the present troubles began. They used to love the Chicago White Sox, but is the love affair all over for the team's fans? Chicago Cubs infielder Buck Herzog has told the grand jury that last year, 1919, he was tipped off by gamblers that the Cincinnati Reds would win the first two games of the World Series because several White Sox players had been bribed to throw the games. Indictments are said to be on the way, lending an unusual undercurrent to the Sox game against the Detroit Tigers. The final score... A White Sox victory was less significant than the fact that this may well be the last appearance by shortstop Charles Risberg, third baseman Buck Weaver and left fielder shoeless Joe Jackson before they become accused criminals. Will it play in Peoria? 
Not if it's a presidential campaign train. The train carrying Democratic Party nominee James M. Cox derailed near Peoria, Arizona, seriously injuring the engineer and another crewman and leaving many passengers with cuts and bruises. Governor Cox, however, escaped without a scratch because his private railroad car attached to the train was the only one not to run into a ditch. But that is the risk you take when you venture abroad. By contrast, the Republican candidate, Warren Harding, has been mocked for running a strictly front porch campaign from his home in Marion, Ohio, issuing press releases from his parlour for the last three months. He has now decided to sally forth into the outside world for the final weeks and has given a speech in Baltimore. Three of the five Socialist Party members who were re-elected to the New York State Assembly after being expelled earlier this year have been barred from taking their seats for a second time. Their fellow elected representatives voted by 90 to 45 to re-expel them. In Washington, D.C., construction has begun on what will be the largest Roman Catholic church building in North America, the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception. The Archbishop of Baltimore, Cardinal James Gibbons, blessed the granite foundation stone at a ceremony attended by over 10,000 people. Wireless broadcasting is catching on so fast that Horn's department store in Pittsburgh uh, decided to take out the very first advertisement for home receiving sets. It is in the Pittsburgh Press and offers complete receiving sets starting at just $10 from its sporting goods department. You can also go to the store And listen to 20-minute live broadcasts, such as the one from the home of Westinghouse electric engineer Frank Conrad, featuring two orchestra numbers, a soprano solo, and a juvenile talking piece. In baseball news, the first-place Brooklyn Robins have defeated the New York Giants 4-2 to capture the National League pennant. And the very first season of professional league football in America is underway with the first game of the new American Professional Football Association. The Rock Island Independents defeated the St. Paul Ideals 48 to nothing at Douglas Park in Rock Island, Illinois. Just a love nest, cosy and warm, at least until moving day when you're out on your air. The October 1st moving day has been a fixture in New York City for decades, the day that almost all rental leases on love nests expire. But now Governor Alfred E. Smith has effectively abolished it in order, he says, to protect tenants from unreasonable landlords. This year, says Arthur Hilly, the chairman of the Mayor's Committee on Housing, quote, there will be no moving day until November 22nd, unless, of course, tenants desire to move. The new laws will keep the tenants in their present homes. The 100,000 eviction notices sent out have been wiped out as if they ever existed, and therefore city marshals, who have been reaping a harvest from eviction cases, suddenly find themselves deprived of their lucrative gold mine, unquote. The philanthropist and financier Jacob Schiff has died at his Fifth Avenue home in Manhattan. Born in Frankfurt, where 
where his family had lived for half a millennium, he emigrated to America as a young man and became the most influential Jew in the United States, to the point that the last four decades are known among American Jewry as the Schiff era. He helped shape public opinion on many issues, from the plight of Jews under the Russian Tsar to the rise of Zionism, for which his enthusiasm was somewhat muted by the understanding that it would inevitably lead to accusations of divided loyalties. The Russian jeweler Peter Karl Fabergé, creator of the famous Fabergé egg, is dead. The very first Fabergé imperial egg was commissioned by Tsar Alexander III as a gift for the Tsarina for Easter 1885. Her Majesty was so delighted that the Tsar gave Karl Fabergé carte blanche to create a new imperial Easter egg for the Tsarina every year. It all came to an end two years ago when the House of Fabergé was seized by the Bolsheviks, its stock confiscated and the company nationalised. Karl Fabergé fled to Riga on the last diplomatic train and thence to Germany and finally Switzerland, where he is said to have died of a broken heart. And that's the way of the world, September 1920. A hundred years from today That will do it for today's show. Ten years ago, this very day, September 22nd, 2010, Eddie Fisher died. He is remembered for abandoning Debbie Reynolds for Elizabeth Taylor. He is remembered for siring Carrie Fisher of Star Wars fame and Jolie Fisher, whom I used to enjoy on Ellen's sitcom before it became boringly all gay and had nothing for Miss Fisher to do with her undoubted talents. But no one much bothers uh, with Eddie Fisher's oeuvre. He sang those big, florid 1950s ballads, I'm Walking Behind You, Oh Mine Papa, that today neither the oldies stations nor the standard stations play. Here he is with a livelier number on the telly, teaching this killer arrangement... Uh, to Andy Williams and Bobby Darin back when this song was new. These are grim times and getting grimmer, so I offer this as a pick-you-up. You'll feel much better for it. The build-up to this um, three minutes or so is well worth your time, but here's the closing stretch. Stay safe, stay free. Show me, 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 so, so, ray, fa, fa, la, ti, ti. Do me 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 so so re pa pa la ti ti do me 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 so so re pa pa la ti ti do me 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 so so re pa pa la ti ti so do la ti do re do do a deer a female deer Ray a double golden sun me a name I call myself far along the way to run so a needle pulling thread.
join us next time for another edition of The Mark Stein Show. The Mark Stein Show is a production of Mark Stein Enterprises and Oak Hill Media. All rights reserved.